The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Frank. Pottercast 287, we still haven't learned to count. Here we go. One of these days, guys. One of these days. Uh, I'm Melissa. Hello, it's John. And it's Frankie, or Frick. And this is the 287th edition of the Harry Potter podcast that will one day <laughs> be regular. We will get to 300 here. We'll one day get, we'll get to 300. Two, 300. Um, okay, so what are we doing this week, gang? We are going to be discussing some scenes that were withtracted from the full with, film. Withtracted? Mm-hmm. Is that the official... Withtracted? That's the wizarding, like a film that's term? The wizarding scene. Withdrawn. Wizarding world. Word for that. But first, do you know about PodX? I've heard about PodX. Do tell. It is a podcast convention. <gasps> ba 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 ba. Ta-da! May 31st to June 2nd in Nashville. We will be there. A bunch of amazing podcasts will be there. Go to podx.com, check it all out, and we want to see you there. I want to see you there. And it was podx, like as in podx.com. Like experience. Awesome. And like just for cool. <laughs> just X for cool. X means cool. I think it does because it reminds me of the X-Men, and the X-Men were really <laughs> cool. You can go to podx.com slash pottercast to get 10% off any single ticket. Hey, cool. Or any ticket. Any number of wow. tickets. All tickets. Pricey 10%. or reducio. What does the X stand for in TEDx? Expo. I think a variety of things the same way it does in PodX. Expo. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Expo, like experience, exchange. There's a lot of things that the X means. X factor. Mm-hmm. The spot. Ooh. It marks it X, sometimes. Yes. X marks the spot. <laughs> Coming to you we'll soon. Check it out. We'll see you. We're, we're doing a show. A lot. Just just go check out the website. You'll see a lot of, a lot of the... the Big shows, you know, coming straight at you. John's, John's laughing <laughs> at great. me right now. I'm doing a bad ad because it's late and I'm tired. Okay, so um, so now we're going to be talking about... Harry Potter stuff. Deleted scenes from Crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald Extended Edition has been released, including about a dozen... Why would I pick a D word? A dozen deleted scenes, including some stuff with uh, Credence and some stuff... With uh, Dumbledore you know, and with Newt, Newt and the Nifflers and the Dumbledores, some really key information in some scenes, like that, really bothered me. Like, why take out this key sliver of exposition yes. and then just ramble on other parts that we don't need? Mm-hmm. Like plot points cut. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, let's. Well, okay. There's, there's how many? Twelve? Ten? There are ten. There are ten deleted scenes, guys. Big, big ten. And yes, we know there are other DVD extras, and we'll get to those next time, because there's some really cool stuff in there, too. All right. First one. The first one is basically a whole different way of opening the movie. Yeah. Which is wild, and uh, no idea why this, this would be removed besides the interest of starting off with a big action scene. That's right. uh, That they ended up starting the movie with. 
but uh, we everybody wanted to know, you know, including Newt early on. Like, what do you mean you talking about Credence as if he's still alive? And lo and behold, we have um, you know a scene opener here where we figure out that Credence did survive and and how he, you know, came back from the blown up smithereens that uh, we last saw him in the first film. And it was really interesting, even if it was an uh, incomplete effect uh, render. Yeah, the effects were super incomplete, and it was almost like, it was kind of cool. I, I like the, seeing incomplete effects. If there were some effects in all of these that makes everything look a little um, like a comic book, a little bit like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. hmm. where they haven't quite edged down the the color or like made it all match, and you see things that just you know just look weird like uh, there's like a clown shoes Mm -hmm. in one of the scenes that just are so bright against the background that you know that they were meant to be made to match the rest of it and so in this first one you see this little slip this little ash just of all the pieces of ash that Credence explodes into there's just one sort of like struggling for life and you see him kind of flip through everything Mm -hmm. and end up back in the orphanage that exploded um and he finds his mm-hmm. he, he like flickers into life but it looks like it's it's an effect we could have done an iMovie you know <laughs> it's like this sort of like oh he's transparent he's not transparent oh he's he's there it's like that is the extent of my ability with yeah. video um and it's what can be dropped onto a, a clip with a pre-made function you know so you see him mm-hmm. flit in and then he opens his adoption paper and i guess that's is that how he finds out did he know from the last film did he know why? That he was adopted. I think he always knew because wasn't he at an orphanage? <laughs> right. But like that his mother wasn't as because he called her his mother. Who? The lady in the orphanage? Mm-hmm. I mean, she always Fair told bone. him, I'm not your mom. Bug off, you creep. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, he finds a piece of paper, gets really upset by it. It's a really lucky grab. I know. It's raining. There's been an explosion. But this one piece of paper, this adoption paper, it's just, yeah. it's there. And it's fine. And it's, it, it, survives yeah and it's yeah. wet and crumbling but you know i, I don't know if this scene really tells us all that much about credence or about much except that it was cool to see yeah i mean neat neat that he survived but you know realistically yeah like the way that we found out that he was alive in the original cut sufficed you know and in, in the original cut don't we find out when dumbledore's just like yeah credence is alive it's fine well, you find out uh, at the ministry, I, I suppose, uh, the first time when they're talking about Credence. I'm sorry, you're talking about Credence as if he were still here. He survived, Newt. He's still alive. He left New York months ago. Yeah. Another interesting bit about this scene is that it starts actually with not with Credence, but with one of the white floating images, the actual exactly exact white floating image that Lita sees when the boat. Funny you say it doesn't start with Credence, though. It doesn't. It starts with that white image. And why? And it's sort of got a like sort of clumsy, which I'm supposing is one of these effects being incomplete. It's sort of a clumsy transition to Credence. And the explosion. But here's what I'm still the, not solid on. Is that not Credence? The white thing? The white thing is the baby. It's the baby, the baby that, that was died. sinking in the water after the boat sinks. It's the thing that Lita yeah. keeps seeing because she thinks that it's the baby that is her fault that, you know, sunk at the bottom of the ocean. But I'm still, to this day, to this moment, not sure which 
baby was which because obviously credence is alive and kicking and there's this other person out there that isn't the baby that she swaps is not is like so she goes into a room there is credence she has a baby she swaps Uh and she takes credence right we still have no idea why a dumbledore was on that boat that she just luckily saved well let's let's Cross the Dumbledore Bridge again here later on. <laughs> so just, just I just want to get the logistics completely correct. She walks in with her brother. Yes. She sees Baby Credence. She swaps. So now she has Baby Credence. That's why Baby Credence survives, and is eventually adopted or whatever. And then her brother sinks, and only she knows that her brother is the one that sinks. Yes. However, how come the whole wizarding world then thinks her brother died? Yeah. Because the ba- the baby didn't match probably when they got there. Like, well, how do they know? The boat if sank. She, if she's they, walking they out with a baby. The boat sank. They probably just thought a baby drowned. They didn't know which baby drowned. I imagine. Right, but didn't she? <laughs> it's, it's all so goofy because like if there's magic enough to like pr- like determine Credence's like heritage and like who is parents are whoever but there's not magic to determine like if this is my baby or not like well i suppose that when a parent looked at the baby it would be like oh this is not my baby I, I, I mean i would know if it wasn't my dog <laughs> i, would I certainly hope know if it wasn't my baby spell that's like are you my baby or not my baby that, that's what i meant like they see your baby like oh this isn't my baby right. the other one <laughs> and so and it was given because away because it was a sinking boat they're like oh this just got mixed up in the chaos of the sinking boat you know what i mean yeah. That's a lot of questions though. <laughs> if you're if you go back okay, so say you're Lita's um family, mm-hmm. right? And later on you've made it, the shock of the sinking is over. Don't you look at her and be like, Why were you walking out of that room? Why were you holding someone else's baby? Yeah, and where is our baby? Right. Doesn't Lita have to explain? Yeah. You would think that you would think, right? But they also could be just masked all of that just in grief of losing their child. I guess so. I'm also of the opinion that it's quite possible that just because Lita did the switcheroo doesn't mean that uh, the what's her what's the lady's name, the little half elf woman, that she didn't work it out and switched him back. Like I'm not convinced true. that the other baby died. Yeah, and we don't even. It could be a magical reason why the boat sank. Like we don't even know why the boat sank. What if it was some sort of attack on the boat because of someone being on there, the Dumbledore or whatever he's pre- should be? Yeah. Also, wasn't that whole prophecy about you know like uh, they'll be saved or whatever, like the wings of the water or something? Yeah. Well, that's a later scene, but but that's like the whole idea is uh, it. It sounds like some something's being pulled from the water. It's just a weird thing to keep harping on and also show us a sinking baby. It's a really good point, John. You would think yeah. that maybe it's this baby, as soon as the camera cuts away in this film, maybe gets <laughs> saved by someone or something. Or this is a magical world. I just, I just cannot imagine why nobody looked at this baby and was like, "This is not." But I know her mother dies, so maybe, so maybe in that situation, honestly. How many like, how many other people knew the knew the baby? Maybe only the mother could have told you it was the baby, and the father didn't care. That's right, because it wasn't. It was Lita and her baby brother with the maid, right, or one of the Irma, Irma, Irma. But that wasn't like her family. That was just a servant. Mm-hmm. It was just a servant, but you, you'd think the servant would know. Yeah, 
And so I wonder... Like, you would think that Servant, that would be, like, a high, like, pretty much top-of-the-list qualities to be able to be like, do you know which baby's which? Like, do you want the job of taking care of this magical, you know, family's child? You have to be able to know if the baby is the correct baby. Yeah, at what point does she go, huh, this doesn't look like the baby I was taking care of? And she still thinks he's Corvus. Everybody thinks he's Corvus. Or the Lita. Yeah. I also think we're not done with this Corvus storyline. I think it's coming back in future well i mean lita can't be dead but then when they, she died in the movie the effect they used was the same effect mm-hmm. of being burnt but he she didn't get burnt um uh what's his uh, grindelwald zapped her instead it wasn't a fire he went whoop and a, the, yeah. the, i don't know i'm blue i'm and torn she burned. if she's not dead i want to see some amazing explanation like i don't know i don't i'm not on either side of is she dead or not i just I just don't know what she accomplished. Like, I don't, like if she like. Right. To me, that's like. Why? Is it just going to be a tragedy of a, a of a, the character, which is kind was of it a red herring. The whole thing, which is kind of sad. But like, it just seems it seems to be missing one more beat. Her story does, and so like I'm. Ex- it was like, but um, and I'm waiting for the bump, and I'm like, ah, her story needs here. Like, we just got, but um, like ah, something's coming, but I don't know what or how, or maybe it's a flashback and that'll satisfy the other beat. Or something, but like some, we we're not done seeing her yet. I don't think. Oh, what about this? Do you remember at the beginning of the movie in the original cut, where uh, the dude's fallen from the carriage? He's falling, he's falling. He could fall to his death quite easily. It really shouldn't be any skin off Grindelwald's back if he did die. But Grindelwald <laughs> makes sure that he survives and catches him in midair before he plops him in the water. So yeah. interesting character trait. What if? All of these folks that are presumably, you know, b- turning into magical dust in this blue flame are in reality being transported into some kind of prison that, um, you know, they'll they'll be locked up there and they'll be assumed dead um, for the time being. But maybe he doesn't want to like spill wizarding blood or something. Could something like that? Yeah. Or just just to give them an out to keep these characters alive. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's the diabolical, uh, you know, thing behind the spell is that it's, you know, twisted yeah. enough. To- yeah, I mean, I think that's that's completely possible. It would, it would, if Lita fulfilled her purpose in these movies, all then all she was was a red herring to complicate the story somewhat needlessly. To complicate it so, to an extraordinary degree. Yeah. Like I watched it this like third and a half times like over yesterday, and it was just like I'm understanding the story more and being disappointed with it more. The more mm-hmm. I understand it, I'm like, oh, this is ah, uh, it's just weird. Like it just I don't know. Wow, anyway. I don't know either. We'll see. <laughs> I will say that focusing like if they were going to open the movie with this white floating image, that would seem to support the theory that we're not done. Yeah. With it. Like, if you're going to open the whole movie with it, yeah. it would seem to be way more important than just a mistaken image that Lita has of a drowning child. Now, speaking of that prophecy and the drowning and all of that, I just checked the actual words of the thing. It said, return great Avenger with wings from the water. Now, I'm reading this again now, and I'm remembering junior high English class is it? Am I? Is this right, Melissa? A prepositional phrase can be moved around in a sentence and still can mean the same thing. 
So you, yeah. so you have so with like wings. Return from the water, Great Avenger, or whatever. You have with wings is one, and also from the water is another one. So if you got rid of the with wings, isn't it basically saying return Great Avenger from the water? Yes. Because when you throw in the with wings, it sounds kind of like, okay, with wings from the water, as so like there are wings made of water. That's, that's kind of confusing. But maybe the Great Avenger comes from the water with wings or with some magical version of of wings. I mean, we're forgetting that with this movies are a theme of them are having involved magical creatures. So there is a version where this baby did fall and get almost drowned, but a magical underwater breathing creature found it and saved it. You know what I mean? Or something of that nature. Like there is a possibility. So the full prophecy, yeah, the full prophecy that he's quoting reads, a son cruelly banished, despair of the daughter, return great avenger with wings from the water. That can mean any billion things. Mm -hmm. um, a son cruelly banished could be Credence um, and not Corvus. Um, a despair of the daughter um, could be Credence's mother whoever that is um return great avenger with wings from the water i mean like this people buy and i think that's part of how jk rowling writes is that people buy into the prophecies and imbue them with the meaning they want and then it cements and that's what the meaning is but this is so much less specific than like the voldemort yeah. prophecy right despair of the, it's not even like there this isn't even sentences it's just a list a son cruelly banished despair of the of the daughter return great avenger with wings from the water like it does it's not even a connecting thought like it like he, he you know the one with the power to defeat him will be born as a seven month dies like that was a full thought mm -hmm. well i like how um i like well how tina put it like that's poetry like i like how she saw it for what it was it's like it's that's not a prophecy it's poetry right because there's there's a sound logic right. to that even if like if it's poetic like that, then that can be fulfilled in many different ways, shapes, colors, and forms. But it's also like, isn't? don't they say that it's, it works its way into a poem? Or it is, they don't know if it's a prophecy first or a poem? And it's... Um, the predictions of Tycho... Yeah, Dodd it's like Nostradamus. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You read the predictions of Tycho Dodonis? Mm, many years ago. A son cruelly banished, despair of the daughter, returned... Yes, I know it. I associated him as a wizarding Nostradamus. Yeah, and it sounds like it's a little bit less, a name with a little bit less gravitas than Nostradamus, which would jibe with a J.K. Rowling sort of nod to, this is all pretty dumb and people <laughs> people predict stupid things all the time. Yeah, you know? prophecies, man. So Credence gets banished to live in America, and if he's a Dumbledore, that's a Dumbledore who gets banished to live in America. Um, despair of the Daughter could be, it could be anything. It could be Kendra Dumbledore despairing because her her whoever you know because credence was banished it could be something to do with ariana okay here's a question um if um kendra had another child with another man would that be considered a dumbledore in the in this lore i don't think so so it would it has to be a paternal i mean who knows but my feeling my if you know gun to head i say that Okay. It's I just kind of put relation. that together right now in my head. I didn't realize that's probably part of the logic. Yeah, I don't think you get. I don't think an illegitimate child of the Dumbledore marriage from Kendra would get referred to as yeah, a Dumbledore. That's true. If it does, I'll be like, yeah, what? I just, re I just <laughs> thought of that right now. I never even gave that much explanation. Unless, unless if you are Kendra's 
if you're Kendra's no, but then he calls him already a Dumbledore. So like my my the line the line where I was going there was if you are um a half brother to Dumbledore, that makes you a Dumbledore, whether or not your last name is Dumbledore. But that's iffy. Oh. Iffy, iffy, iffy. Yeah, but there's an arrogance to paternity that if it's like if it's mine, it's mine. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I can see how mm-hmm. the Dumbledore thing would think that like even if it is half blood, like it's still my blood. I love this. We're on the first scene and we're twenty <laughs> minutes in. Moving on. Like this next one here, like called at the docks, which is basically um, a, a neat shot of the boat. It almost looks like a shot from the the previous movie here. Like, uh, and we've got um, the magical side of the uh, dock where they're loading up uh, some magical creatures. Apparently, it almost looks like uh, you know the uh, circus. I guess it, it probably is the circus. And this kind of answers a question that we had before. Like, how did the Credence come to get involved with the circus? Right. And it looks like he managed to sneak over there, um, you know, as part of this circus. Now, it's kind of confusing as to why they let him through. And uh, Yeah, there's a big group of people, and Credence gets let through. Why? Because it looks like he's going as like a deckhand yeah or like you know unless he was already yeah it's a little confusing there's not even a hell of a lot to say there other than i guess it answers the question how did he get you know how did he leave uh america and uh so john if you look at um 25 seconds yeah there's this there's what is clearly the beginning of a cgi overlay of these like clown boots yeah and it's so cool that they let us see some of this um imperfection Mm -hmm. in the storytelling i think that's kind of if you're a young filmmaker or you know that's a that's a cool thing for whatever other problems we all have with you know the series or whoever we pick it apart it is cool that they're letting people behind the veil a little bit and not pretending that it just came fully formed out of a out of a screen capture yeah I, I can remember when I used to sit and try to pick apart how they did so many of these things and just be so in awe and so overwhelmingly confused. <laughs> and then, like, once yeah. you f- figure it out, it's kind of like when you learn how, like, a, a magic trick works. It's like, oh, okay, now now I can't unsee it. Now I know. <gasps> Weird. I see, I see, I get why they're doing it now. So they're, sorry, on, on again, on this five-second shot of this clown feet thing, is that the guy's feet are backwards. So you see these clown shoes... And you wonder why they're even bothering with CGI. It's because the guy is fishing around in a bin. He's like in a clown outfit. But his feet are on backwards. Weird. And you just got to wonder if that was just too confusing of a shot to stick with. Or, or if there was supposed to be more CGI and you were going to see the like, there's going to be like a top to the clown yeah. too. You know? Because all you see is some guy's like hair. And that just, it I don't could know. Be. So you see like... You see Credence getting through this gate. I don't know if he gives the guy a password or something, but they they let him through and nobody else, even though all these people are teeming to get through. And I'm not quite sure why. Is it a way to get through without going through immigration? I really don't know. It's really quite strange. And like they're making it seem like, you know, there's an emergency and they have to evacuate right away because yeah. like, it's the last boat off the island. But... No, no reason yeah. to think that either. 
and there's a lot of like signs that say well not well not a lot but one that says there's sign uh caution magical creatures and i just feel like there was so much more that joe must have wrote that just never mm-hmm. even made it through a cut that would have ever even been filmed. oh i believe that 100 totally. i think that's why the movie feels the way it is and i just i i'm bummed that the book that they release is literally might as well be like you know a transcription of like the closed captions of the film and like a little bit it's extra a little, more a little narration but like give us some of the bits that tie it together uh that got cut from the film like what would have been the harm of that like at least eventually publish that because yeah we, i would love the novel forms of these there's some quotes in the deleted or not the deleted but in the interview extra with joe that talk about just the idea of you know, comparing this process to writing the Harry Potter books. Oh, I need to watch and, that. Uh, the idea of the ep- episodic uh, story and the series, you know, um, spanning uh, story. And, uh, you know, y- you can kind of tell that, like, she's she wants to tell the the story th- over the course of the whole series and probably is super irritated when people say that something doesn't make sense because it'll probably make perfect sense once you've seen all, all, all the films, but not, not if they keep deleting all of these yeah. huge chunks of the story. For I, I get a little annoyed when people say like, man, they should have been books. I don't agree with that because I trust them to know that you're telling a story for a specific medium and it's like when people say that the play should have been a book. I don't agree. It's a play. That's what it is. And especially when you see it, you understand why it has to be a play. So like, I, I don't want, I don't want, it's going to weird thing as a Harry Potter fan to say, I don't want them to be books. I want to know all the information that would have been in the books, but they've chosen this medium to tell the story. And so I'm going to trust them on it, but I do want to know all the background. information. once it's all told, I want, the full all the stories she couldn't quite sneak in there you know i think the major difference here is that we had the benefit with the harry potter movies that the books were always a few stories ahead of the films and the filmmakers beyond just being able to talk to joe and be like okay so what's coming next like i'm sure they're doing that now but for the Harry Potter movies, they didn't have to like attempt to understand and piece together from the little bits they were getting from Joe about why it is important to leave a certain character in or why it's important that a certain character doesn't say this particular thing or not cut that particular scene. And uh, they don't have that benefit here. And they have to just kind of uh, trust her. But and while I'm sure that they have been more so than they would any normal or not normal, any, any not JK Rowling screenwriter, um, you know, they're not giving her a hundred percent of what, uh, of what she's writing. And, uh, that's, it's tricky. Well, it's the, they is also her though. She's an executive producer as well. She's not just a writer. So See, that's why this is what I feel like this ties into what you're both saying. Cause like, how what I feel that this movie suffers from is just like a sophomore album type of thing. It feels though it like it, it wasn't edited as much as the first one. And so since it wasn't edited as much, I think some of the narrative arcs fell into a more a rhythm that feels more familiar to her novel work, 
than it did the first film, which felt much more of like a, a three act structure. This one had so many pulses in each of the three acts. It felt a little more to me like I I, I got that vibe. Oh, this seems a little more bookish than. And there's these long scenes of people just explaining things and exposition, which yeah. I love and eat up. And so that's why it was hard for me mm -hmm. to even see it until I really started watching. I'm like, oh, that's right. This scene, like right now, all they're doing is walking around and explaining something. And then we get, then we get the cool flash. Yeah. Walk and talk. But then we get some cool flashbacks and magic and stuff that's just like a nice diorama. But all it is is just like, look, this man comes and she gets pregnant and then this one dies. Da, da, da. It's just like a slideshow. <laughs> it's like a PowerPoint, you know, but in magic. And so like... I, that's why this one felt like it felt like a lack of editing. Like you know what? Like if she really buckled down, she could have ironed those out into the the same emotional arcs, but in a more traditional three act structure. You know what I mean? Like so, I I, I really sympathize with the people who say like, oh, it should have been books. Like I I don't when they say should should is a very heavy word that we should never be used. Um, Especially on creative people. I hate when, and you guys are both creative people, when you hear somebody's telling somebody what their creation should have been, it like just hits a, hits a very yeah, angry Yeah, should is a very aggressive word. And so, but like at the same time, like I can say like, yes, this does feel more like her novel work to me. And so like, and that's something I can yeah. really stand behind. And so like then when people say that, like, oh yes, I agree with their sentiment. I'm not as aggressive or as poignant as them about it. But It's just the way you lay clues in a novel to make it earned, the way you allow an audience a chance to figure out your twists in a novel are not the same in a movie. Mm -hmm. And you don't get the time to sit with it the way that you do in a book. And so I think what we're seeing is that she is laying clues just the way J.K. Rowling lays clues. And they cut them out. But... <laughs> The, they go by in a second and so by the time the big exposition imagine if the first time you learned all that exposition that happened in the shrieking shack was in a movie it was for me it wouldn't it would be too much it would go by so fast was it for you did it seem co did it seem cogent? It was for me yeah because I, I i didn't read the books until after that movie came out because that's why i was like what happened and so i started reading the books yeah, yeah exactly and that wasn't even, that was like a very, very pared down version of what happened. So if like, imagine it was just like in the book and all those clues were laid, but they went by you in one second. You had no time to think about it or imagine it in your head. And I feel like that's what happened to me. That's why it took me three watches to pick up on stuff that now I feel is like so yeah. heavy handed now. But before it's like, how did it take me this long to see it? Because there's so much to see in such a little time. Yeah. I'm going to make a stupid I know nothing about film bet, but that for every one clue you lay in a in a book, you need to do it three times in a film is my bet to like get the same um, punch. Uh, it depends on what you like when it, when it talks to f about film, it depends on what the story is. If the story is about. Sure. Because like, that's a thing. Like in a book, that can be a thing. Like in the, it, it could be. Is it a plot device or is it the plot point? Well, but these stories are like these stories are like J.K. Rowling's stories are like the the stuff is laid for you, and if you have time with it, you can get yeah, it. Yeah. So in That's this context, mean. no, you you set it up once because her movies are so complicated. If you can't follow that through, if you hit that more than once, you're gonna tip the audience. Do you think so? Or but now, yeah. but once seems to be too little. Once is confusing people. No, I mean I'm ta talking about if you're talking about what kind of film you're like. If it's if it's something that's going to turn the audience like the whole, you need to do it more than once. If it's if it's more than the point of the movie, I'm confused. That's what I'm saying. That you'd need to to get the same sort of ah, oh, I could have figured that out. It was right under my nose. 
I feel like you need to hit it more. I, again, look at me. I know no, absolutely nothing about film. But I think the problem is happening. What's happening is that it goes by so fast. Whereas when you read it in a book. Yeah, I see what you mean now. Yes. It, it, it needs to escalate, though. Like the first time it's like real simple. Sure. Yeah, it is three. The first time it's real simple. The second time it's like it's kind of like, oh, it's a wink. And then the third time okay. it's a reveal. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think we get that in this no, movie. No, not I think at it's, all. Mm. Or, they're, but they're abstract ones because they, when you look at it, they talk about the phoenix, but it's, it's but it's talked about abstractly as a phoenix. But we associate the first sure. one with Dumbledore and the second one with Credence. We don't realize. It's I the will same say one. that's Fox, right? That's I. I think it's Fox, and also like that they do do that three times. They do that a bunch of times, and I think that is because. It needs to land so hard at the end. Yeah, but I, the thing is, like, I didn't see them when I saw the first movie. So it came out of nowhere for me. I was like, how sure. on earth is this a real phoenix? He's just tricking him. So we're we're getting at a key core question and problem about these films. Is it possible to have a film that is the same experience as reading a Harry Potter book? No. no. Because it's a, it's, it's think a it different is. experience. <laughs> But I mean, like, if you could translate that exhilarating experience and gotcha, I could have figured it out, but oh my God, what a great twist. If you could do that in film version, because I know it's obviously a re reading a book is different than watching a film, but is it possible to, can you think of a film that, successful, that successfully lays plot traps for you in a way that when you get the reveal at the end, it's immensely satisfying because you could have gotten it. It was all there. You feel it in that moment that you could have gotten it if you were just a little smarter and yet it's still a very satisfying turn. What's that one with Kevin Spacey? Like the old one. Usual Suspects? Yeah. I've never Wasn't seen that, it. Yeah, that that was one of those movies where it's like a big kind of twist at the end, but like you watch it again and it's like, oh. It's all there. Yeah. I don't know why that one popped into my head of all movies. A TV show does this, and it's The Good Place. Oh, that's a great one. It's so yeah. Like for me, I like what well that show is that they follow up on what they say. They legit but follow it's up. Three seasons, which turns into like you know six films worth of content. So again, like in a film, I can't I I can't properly think of one. Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars was good at that. Well, I mean, I see that that's the, the thing. Like, I I um, I, th I didn't maybe didn't understand your question before. I thought what you meant was translating the experience of a book into a film, meaning you would need to dilute the experience in the same rhythm, so that it's it's similar. If you're looking for a literal experience, I don't think that's possible. Just like like with the TV no. show too. I don't mean a book. I mean a Harry Potter book. I mean that specific thing that we got when we were at Harry Potter that was like, oh, it was all right there. But man, that's a satisfying plot twist at the end that explains everything. Um, like when we found out that Snape was the half-blood prince, which we all sort of knew. Um, when, um, you know, book three. The Knights book, of friggin' Hogwarts. Man. The Knights of Hogwarts turned <laughs> that was the whole book in Chamber on of Secrets. No, but like a, a, a J.K. Rowling wrote a very specific type of greatly satisfying um suspense novel no, yeah she stuck right? the landing on that seventh book she really did yeah and i can't think of a movie that gives you that same experience i'm gonna ask let's ask the podcast listeners to write in if they have movies that sort of fit with 
So this are is... are you requiring this to be anthology then? Say that anthology again? because like it's unfair to give a decade of character attachment to two hours. No, I mean one book. I'm explaining myself. I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not explaining myself well. So a one Harry Potter book. The experience is very in equally across all seven. Each Harry Potter book does this, where you're reading the story. It's setting you up. It's lay. It's setting the trailing the bread the the bread the breadcrumbs are trailing, and you are going along the path that she lays for you. And the answers are in front of your face, but she is a master at making them just out of reach. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, that when then, um, like you know, uh, so for me, because what we're what we're discussing is whether or not the the experience like the way that she writes and the experiences that she's so good at writing in novels can work in the structure of one movie um i think uh, a good example of that is um the sixth sense yeah that's a beautiful movie that when you watch it at the end you're like what and it makes like and it's just like it makes perfect sense and you're like whoa that's a trip i think that's a great one um i agree Dumb, um, Dumb and Dumber. If you look at the structure of Dumb and Dumber, like that is a wonderful movie. Like it huh. is so intelligently made for its humor and its structure and how it's just satisfying it is, just emotionally, um, and cool. how stupid it is at the same time. But like it's so you can't be that stupid without being smart. You know what I mean? You can't write that totally. without totally. intelligence. Like I don't know. There's Stranger Than Fiction. I love Stranger Than Fiction. Like that's that's amazing. You've got Mail. That's fun. Like that the 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 playfulness and like the yeah. characters of identity. And drawn. all those stories are a little more simple than what we're ta- than what we're talking about in this. Uh, yeah, but movie. I mean, like it's all about not in a bad way. I mean, yeah, like but this at the same time you have to like you have to remember the the you have to divorce the emotional attachment of like multiple hours for me it would be days to read a book with an experience of the two hours you're getting in a film um that's what i'm trying to get yeah and like that i don't think that like you you have to realize it has to that has to translate because there's just well though no what's weird is the movie the good guys um the good guys with uh what's his face um Mm -hmm. ryan goslin and uh the guy from uh, Gladiator, or whatever that movie. If you watch it, like it feels like it's an episode of a TV show that you've seen multiple episodes of, but it's just two hours with these characters. But you get so comfortable with them, They're like an old shoe. It's wonderful. Cool. Sorry, I'm just right. yammering. No, it's great. That was a lot of <laughs> really good. It's almost like you work in film, Frankie. <laughs> it's almost like this is your career. <laughs> Dumbledore. With a less conspicuous rooftops full, then. I do enjoy a view. Nebulous. Can we just talk for a second about Dumbledore points his wand at Paris, says nebulous, and he has an all-consuming fog that goes into the night of the whole city? It's a pretty powerful, dare I say, overpowered spell. I think it's a hit that Dumbledore in general is a little OP. What do you think? I think it's just cin- for cinematic sake, and that's what makes it b- bothers <laughs> me. Because it's like, why do like just let it be a foggy night? Like, why just calm? <laughs> like, it's not. It's just confusing. It's not cool. It's just like, is he really that it's powerful? So true. It's like, then why is he bothering with this? Uh, 
stupid putter outer when he could just fog the city with a flick of his wrist? Like, why make a device for light? Like, I, ah. I know. Why do you have a device in your pocket specifically for the purpose of putting out streetlights? Seems a little bit muggled. Well, I guess it's for you can find people. Well, I guess it, we can, it has. We can ask Ron later. It has more, but still. still I'm just trying to be still, objective still. when I don't agree. <laughs> All right. So we have to talk about this. Big moment. Um, Newt says, why did you send me? Insists, like, why did you send me to New York? You, and he didn't, like, say, go to New York to track down Credence. What he did was send him to get that Thunderbird, knowing that he'd have to go through a muggle port because you can't travel with a Thunderbird through, I guess, a magic port. And so he had to go through New York. So he, guessed Dumbledore in his way just knew that Newt would end up trying to get the Obscurial. So all these theories about Newt and Dumbledore working together to gather Obscurials are now being shown to be wrong. They might be now, but they weren't before. Um, But... That's why he. I mean, it may, maybe they all, but it seems oh, like. Oh, so I now didn't... I'm understanding the next scene. Then the, the next scene when he's yeah. saying like, "But you did send me," and then then he explained yeah. what happened. He's like, "That's how he deduced that. Oh, that's how you you manipulated me there. He manipulated him. Oh, he made him go get the th- I, that was told not him clear about the thumb, Thunderbird until now. It wasn't to me until I watched it again just now. It was like, yeah, you sent me there. So this is how this is how Dumbledore manipulates. All he had to do was tell him about a bird. He knew that he'd have to go get him. He knew that he'd have to go through the New York port and he'd end up in New York near Credence and then knew that he would help him. And like, that's a lot to take on faith. Dumbledore is so creepy. He is creepy. Oh my God. Just like, just say it like, hey, bud, I need you to go over there. He's like, nah, I'll just know. I'll just pull that heartstring and he knows how to pluck it. He's just so uh, insightful and manipulative. But, 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 he says that the reason he did it is because he had a vision, you see, many years ago, in which an obscurial killed the man he fears above all others. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> that just explains the whole fucking first film. Oh, sorry. Also, the that's fine. Beep. The whole series is now about how Dumbledore is the scariest person on the planet. Can we just say that? I mean, basically. But can we like break this down for a minute? First of all, some people are. He also comes off as the laziest. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. He's like, oh, I can't. My lumbago. I mean, I can't. My (laughs) My lumbago. uh, My blood pack. (laughs) You you do it, guys. Is that what it's called? A lumbago? No, that's what Red Dead Redemption Uncle. His. Oh my god! I knew I'd heard that recently. That's why. he can't. He can't ever help out in the oh farm work. But also, Dumbledore's. So some people say that the the vision was of Ariana. There, this to me is not clear whether or not he had the obscurial vision before or after um, Ariana. Yeah, it gets real muddy here. Also, when you think about Dumbledore with this information, Dumbledore spends the rest of his life seeking out kids that may be obscurials. And stopping them from being obscurials by giving them an outlet for their magic. Like, imagine if Harry had turned into an obscurial. Imagine if Tom Riddle had turned into an obscurial. What would have happened? Oh, my goodness. That's so interesting. Right? Well, I mean, let's not forget when in the timeline he goes to find Tom Riddle. It's a couple years it's, from now. It's Yeah, it's not not too it's far like away. Three years from now. Could you Could you see Dumbledore just identifying young orphans who don't realize they're magical and keeping an eye on them because they have the potential to turn into this horrible 
force <laughs> to turn into a thing that will take them down in a weird way it's like selfish in a way but it's not at the same time because it's helping like it's it's just as cop that is a very nice and complicated motive for dumbledore i like that yeah well did we, like have we ever explored the purpose for why he went to seek out tom riddle in the first place because surely he didn't go like you know around town trying to like recruit students for hogwarts and like every other student's case like right. he let the kids come to the school that wanted to be taught right why why seek him out why seek him out because he was potentially an incredibly power and maybe potentially foreseen to kill him also is grindelwald's vision real does an obscurial kill somebody else who turns into like is the man he fears the most actually Dumbledore or is an obscurial no. going to kill somebody else that he actually fears the most and what's really going to bake your noodle here is would Tom Riddle had turned into Voldemort had he never retrieved him from the orphanage whoa I, I, that's right? interesting my guess is no well he was he Probably was already not. using his magic to punish things though prior yeah but who's going to yeah. teach him who's going right. to put him around other professors that can teach him about horcruxes if he's sitting oh yeah especially the really complicated deep magic evil guy will be one of those guys that causes horrible things to happen and nobody can explain it like he will kill people absolutely but would he have become Voldemort yeah he'll end up in Azkaban by the time he's a teenager he'd probably be a serial killer totally but not a, a world dictator so Dumbledore in his quest to make sure that nobody turns into Ariana, nobody turns into Credence, is found both the next evil wizard to rise and the one who could stop him. Hmm. Though with Harry, it's special because he was like watching his parents. Like, it's not like he was like had an eye on Harry, you know? Yeah, Harry but, was part of a prophecy. Right. So. But like, bet your socks that he was keeping an eye on whether he showed signs of that during his time with the at Privet Drive. And I have to wonder if the love spell, the connection to his mother's love surrounding him at Privet Drive is what stopped him from becoming an obscurial. Mm -hmm. Here's what here's what I took away from this scene mostly was Dumb these Dumbledore's basically saying outright that he knew that um Grindelwald was going to seek out credence because of the obscurial thing. But from watching the first film, we see Graves slash Grindelwald interact with Credence constantly. Um, trying to get Credence to help him find the Obscurial. He has no idea that it's Credence. No. Uh, and, uh, like, I feel like that, you know, pokes a lot of holes in things. In, in particular, the idea that not only does he find out because Credence shows him his power in front of him that he's the person he was looking for all along, but that so at some point in time after that, and, uh, you know, some point in time in this film, Grindelwald discovers that Credence is a Dumbledore. All the while, Dumbledore himself, who already knew about Credence, already knew he was an Obscurial, uh, also doesn't know that he's a relative? I'll say that... At that's not... It's not necessarily that he knows. The thing that ended up being Credence, may, they, he may be referring to Credence just... You know, like they knew that there was an obscurial in New York and people could have not known that it was Credence and now be referring to that as Credence the whole time just because they know that it's it was always Credence. Mm. So he may say like, like, take out Credence in this scene and say, I was hoping, you know, Grindelwald was going after the obscurial. I was hoping that you would save the obscurial. But now they know it's Credence so they could just be calling it Credence. It's just interesting that Dumbledore would say, 
it was my hope that you would deprive him of the weapon, you know, not by destroying him, but by, by saving him. So he basically says that, yes, there's an Obscurial out there. We know him now to be Credence, and we believe him to be fundamentally redeemable or, or worth saving, not, not worth destroying, and that uh, you, Newt, I expect you to come to this same conclusion without any additional information here. Also, also, what a shitty thing. Dumbledore knows what, what Grindelwald, it's just like Harry and Voldemort. Dumbledore knows what Grindelwald is capable of. He sends this guy who has, who is very a great person, but doesn't clearly have offensive magical powers, and sends yeah. him to do battle with freaking Grindelwald. Dumbledore, what right. the hell? Right, right, yeah. Well, with you know, no I... info, with no training, Harry was better prepared than Newt oh for my this. Gosh, it's <laughs> oh man, that's saying something. But yeah. What a jerk. And and really though, what are the limits of this blood pact? Like, could he not like help the rest of the gang and like fight that blue flame spell? Like with the whole ring of uh you know magic that they did? Like would would that not have worked because of the blood pact? Like No, I think he was just he was uh handcuffed then. Like handcuffed I could see from like the idea of dueling him. Sure. But what like, what what does it mean? What are the limits? Yeah, is is this going after him? Why isn't why doesn't yeah, this count? How is this how is the him strategically telling other people what to do, not uh you know, fighting him? No, no, I mean I think it's just a, I think I think the blood pack means a physical fight. Like not a physical fight, sure. like a fight between one on one. And then I think when it comes to, um, but uh, like I, I know, I know what you mean. Like if they had an unbreakable vow not to plot against each other, that would be different. Mm-hmm. I think because it's blood, it's physical, so it's it's like their two identities can't be going at each other. Is yeah. my reading of it? But I get it. Like it, like you know, it isn't sending Newt after him also going after him? You know, right? Yeah, and like. I don't know. We could pick that apart and like for an hour. Like, could could he do this? Could he could he do that? Like, what if it was a gun? What if it was drowning him in a swimming pool? Like, what are the limits to this protection? Like, are, does that mean he's compelled to save his life if he has the chance to, or is he just he has to? I don't think you so. know. Like, there's there's I don't know what the rules are here. This is very new magic to was us. Was Newt and their mission secret or no? It was so secret. Newt didn't even know. I, yeah. Newt didn't know he was on a mission. Like with like so like if I'm I guess I'm asking like because maybe Dumbledore couldn't fight because those don't stop him from doing magic. This track is magic. So like if he was in France, they would know, and he wasn't allowed to go. Maybe that's why. Was that just a convenient plot for the point so she could kind of divorce him from the actual battle and seeing Credence in person yet? Like, have they ever seen face to face yet? Who? Dumbledore no, I don't think they've been. I don't think they've been Dumbledore face to face. Credence. Oh, Dumbledore and Credence. No, they haven't. Yeah, and so like, if that was that a convenient way to keep them apart, so in the next film we can confirm or now deny if they're actual siblings. Maybe. Yeah, it would yeah. explain why Dumbledore didn't go after. I mean, to Dumbledore, like information is power also also okay sorry now i'm remembering something from seven where dumbledore is very upset at his cowardice at waiting so long to go after grindelwald like dumbledore it's a source of great shame for him that his blindness and his 
um, love for the idea of who Grindelwald was stopped him from killing him sooner or defeating him sooner or whatever it was. And this Dumbledore is doing everything he can early. So what does it mean for book seven Dumbledore? How do you mean that he's doing everything early? Because he's doing... He's doing everything he can in the constraints of this blood pact. The idea you get from Seven is that he could have but didn't. He could have done more. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I thought that. And so now that's that, that, that points to my confusion then after this film. Because like that's the blood pact scene just to neuter him. Like he's just like, oh, he can't. Rather than he didn't. Right. And the, the, the very strong, and now I'm going to go get book Seven and read it again and read the ending again. But the very strong impression you get from seven is that he wishes it's that he feels deep shame that his character flaw which he sees as his his you know infatuation with grindelwald handicapped him that did but here he's stuck in a blood pact and he's manipulating the whole world and it sounds an awful lot like he's um doing as much as is physically able to do it sounds an awful lot like that's a more complicated enjoy a movie experience and so they're just having a sure. freedom with the characters which i find sure. very disappointing i want to be proven wrong i want to be proven but wrong that's just me being a nerd i'm just being a nerd i can see them as non if i see them as parallel versus congruent mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing but for so far mm-hmm. i haven't had to make that shit well i guess i did with maybe i did because i i still have a really hard time accepting the the logic of that time turner in that play. I know it's controversial, but it, it's so incongruent with me. You're also like, you're not just being a nerd. These are characters and stories that meant a lot to you and still do mean a lot to you. And the idea that they're um, being rewritten by their author is confusing. And it's like, it's like when it's like if a, a, a dear family member, you know, gets a personality transplant and you're like, whoa, are you who I thought you were? That's right. You know what? I understand Buffy and Dawn's relationship even more now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Poor Don. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was just complaining just now because I still think that um, it's bullshit that Credence is uh, a Dumbledore. I still think uh, it's it's a big old red hair. I hate it, but the movie—that's what the movie wants us to think. And if the movie lied to us that way, then it's, you can't trust the language of the, the film language anymore. And that's not the movie. It's Grindelwald. And he, they, he it's the crimes of Grindelwald. Like, why do we take him at his word on anything? No, but there are, like, he gets that phoenix before he meets with Grindelwald. The phoenix. The point is that we're not taking him at his word. The movie's not taking him at his word. The writing's not taking him at his word. The movie goes to pains to not leave his word what we listen, what we have to look at. And, like, it could all be fake, but I feel like. They'll just have to work so hard out of that that I don't I don't know. I'm confused by it. I yeah I get I don't want it to be true too, John. But like in my head, I'm like, why are they telling it this way? It makes me sad. Do you want to Do you want me to blow your mind here real quick? I'd be thrilled with another explanation. Blow my mind. The last minute of the J.K. Rowling interview. What does it say? I'll speak it to you here. Do it. All of the stories I've written within this world share overarching themes you cannot beat a good yarn i don't don't know what that english word means so each individual section be it one of the novels one of the movies has its own discrete story the one big question that gets asked in this movie is who is credence but upon that simple question hangs a number of other stories make no assumptions what whatever you think you know at the end of the movie might not be the case by the end of the third movie and I know that's very cryptic, but you really have to let the story unfold before you draw your own conclusions. 
Okay. Well, that's very, very telling. Again, if it's not so, I look forward to the work they're going to have to do to unravel it. But they, <laughs> yeah. You know. Exactly. Well, it's like, it'd be like saying, like, Luke, I'm your father. And then the next movie, they're like, just kidding. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I mean. That's what makes and me think it feels like amateur. I just said that to get in your head. Yeah. yeah, and it's possible with expert storytelling, and she's an expert storyteller, so like I'm leaving the wedge open as a possibility. But yeah. ugh, it'd be hard. It'd be hard. You know, yeah, it's exactly it, John. Luke, I am your father. Next movie, JK. To me, it feels like this. What worries me is that it feels like some of the compromises are emotional compromises, not like plot compromises. Like a McGonagall being in there was just for fun, just to feel good. And it's like then like I, yeah. you could have had that with another character. Maybe it could be Flitwick mm-hmm. or or Professor Pomfrey or something like that. Like it doesn't have to be McGonagall. Like, but they wanted McGonagall because that was satisfying. And so like it seems like they're making decisions like emotionally than the the structure that we're used to. And here's the thing: no book felt like that. No book introduced what seemed to be contradictory pieces of information, even if they got explained later. None of the books left you feeling like that made no sense and was was to please me as a fan. None. Yeah. I never felt that way after closing the, one of the first. Grop. Just kidding. That that was not to please me as a fan. <laughs> that was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> was, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And like, like McGonagall is the example. Imagine if in book four. Um, no, not in book four. In book five, Cedric Diggory's walking around and it doesn't make any sense and it's contradicted by previous storytelling, but yeah. they explain it in book six. Okay, but now I feel I feel sort of betrayed by the logic. It's just all very confusing. I think the thing that we take personally here is that we've invested a ton of time mm-hmm. into peeling this apart like a murder mystery, like an actual investigation that follows logical rules that we understand as being established as, okay, these are the unbreakable laws of this universe. And knowing that framework, there is the potential to figure out what's going to come next if you you know follow the leads as you find them uh, and measure it all against what you understand the rules to be. And when any of these rules appeared to be broken or you know something happens that logically shouldn't be able to from what we've already seen then it throws into question like why bother trying to predict any of it yeah if it can so easily just be you know redrawn after the fact or or to to you know, meet some other ends like, oh, we thought it'd just be cool to have, a, you know, Professor McGonagall here because, you know, we want to make sure we balance the characters on screen as much as we can with the men and the women and everybody knows McGonagall already. So we'll throw in here. It'll be cool. And I guarantee it probably wasn't Joe's idea to do this. But while I'm sure she gets her way in most of these, you know, script meetings, she probably doesn't 100% of the time. And when she doesn't, shit like this happens. I don't buy that at all. Okay. I don't buy that a single storytelling decision gets approved 
gets in there she's writing it and she's an executive producer and she's around surrounding herself with people who have sworn on the bible of trusting joe's storytelling if she really didn't want mcgonagall in there one billion percent mcgonagall would not be in there no doubt in my mind well that's even more disappointing then that's even more disappointing that means she wants her in there and it doesn't make sense hundred percent yeah there's no way McGon- there's no way J.K. Rowling would write that in if she was against it. She would have to write it in. She is the writer. I'm guar- guaranteed they have in that contract that no one's writing that script but her. Nobody's allowed to edit it but her. I I will I I, I would be shocked. So imagine them saying you have to put McGonagall in, you have to write it, and her just being like, no. Well, what if it was a situation like, okay, Joe, this is going to be great. We're going to let you. We're going to do three Fantastic Beast movies. It's going to be awesome. You're going to write them. You do whatever you want. And she's like, actually, okay, that's cool. I have an idea, but, you know, I, th- I need like five movies. And they're like, mm. She's JK Rowling. There's no way that anyone, any movie studio, anyone says, no, you can't do that. Because any other movie studio would take what it What if up. they were like 10 movies? She has the power. You have to understand, she has the power. Her name, a story written by her, gets sold this way, no matter what it is. And if Warner Brothers wants to say no, that's fine. Anybody else would produce it. Mm. So she says, I want it to be five. And they say, no, we're can't, we're not going to do that. Then they have their fight. She goes away. She doesn't need money. She goes away and she does what she wants to do. Yeah, when she wants to do it. Like D- Disney would eat her up. She, would she have the ability to take the rights back to, I have no idea what their contracts look like, but I, I, I do believe this. I do believe that JK Rowling would rather not do the movie than lose that kind of control. Mm. She didn't have that control in the movies because she, didn't but now she's jk rowling she's an executive producer she's writing the thing and she her word is you know well, maybe thinking about it the wrong way and it's not so much the fact that she's being overruled so much as she is being um this process leaves her open to more outside influence than what is ever there during the writing of the harry potter books because sure. that was basically in a vacuum of her own office and her own writing rooms but here, everything's kind of unfolding with all these other creative minds weighing in along the way. And she actually even mentions this in this interview. She talks about the fact that, uh, you know, sometimes people bring up ideas that I'm thinking, wow, those are great. I wish I had I'd thought of that. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I take that idea and, like, uh, improve upon it and elaborate it and all of this. So it's like, you know, what's, what do they say about... Um, uh, what do you call a horse that is created by a group of folks? A camel. A camel. It's like, mm-hmm. or too many, uh, too many cooks ruin the soup. Yeah. Like, uh, so there's also like editing that stops happening to a person when they reach a certain level of. That's what I feel happened. It's here. not like Lucas level. We're not there. <laughs> but <laughs> not yet. Not uh, yet. Not yet. Not yet. We're not there yet. But I mean, like um, but now. It's not like before as it was never a concern. Now I'm like, oh, oh, this. okay. now there's a concern when before that was a foreign thought. Now it's like, oh, okay, it might happen, which is still disappoints me. (laughs) Uh, I just I want to leave open the possibility that, you know, besides the Minerva McGonagall of it all, um, lots of the other details that seem incongruent are there for the sake of other characters not having a full appreciation for what's happening or other characters purposefully trying to mislead other characters and not necessarily that we're getting, you know, lied to by the author, but we're experiencing this story 
in a way where we don't get all of our answers the first go around. But I want you to go home now, Monty. Shall I call the ministry? No, I want you to go home, please. So that was um, a third of the scenes. Yep. We're not, we're not, you know, your happy podcast team can talk forever about anything. Yeah, we may have said some saucy, opinionated things this week. So um, shocking, shocking. Yeah, saucy, shocking. So if you differ of opinions, let us know. Send us your opinions. Staff at Pottercast.com. We already have some that I want to read next week. Uh, the Twitters. We have stuff coming to the podcast real soon. And I don't know. Let's go to the drums. Yeah. Dummies. What is happening? Oh, I was just uh, wondering, Pod X, like who are the, who are some of our um, our our new or what of our more? Give me some random people. Let me tell you, it is a new world podcasts these days and we're getting a lot of really cool a couple one of the have you guys ever listened have you guys ever listened to true crime obsessed true crime obsessed it's called true crime obsessed and it's my friend patrick who i've known through broadcom forever and he's this hilarious podcaster and they do like all crime documentaries and then Ooh. comment on them so they did fire festival and they did ted bundy tapes and they did um um, oh God, what's the one that we just watched that was so horrifying? Abducted in Plain Sight. I can't watch those Horrible. shows. They scare me. Oh my God, Abducted in Plain Sight isn't so much scary as it is just mind-blowing. <laughs> no, know. I mean like, it um, uh, uh, freaks me out. <laughs> so they're coming. They, they are very funny and you should listen to their podcast. It's really great. Also, uh, Night Vale is coming and bringing a bunch of their, of their podcast, the whole Night Vale network. It's really cool. Janet Varney is coming do you know this frankie cora janet varney oh cool yeah and her and her a couple of her shows are coming the polygon show is coming um it's so there's and there and these those are all people who are doing live shows but we also have people coming from the shows nancy ono ross and carrie maureen johnson's um show says who the bright sessions hamilcast history chicks it's just on and on undisclosed with rabia chaudhry who um is the person who started serial who got that whole train oh, going wow. um she's she's amazing she's an inspiring amazing person so we're really really excited about that there's just there's so much there's live shows and and uh meet and greets and fan content and it's just there's just so much it's gonna be amazing yeah there's like more than 30 podcasts already already lined up which is incredible um it's gonna be really special. We're really excited about it. Very, very, very cool. Check it out, guys. Podx.com. Oh, something new for me is uh, the second season of Dragon Prince is now streaming on Netflix. Hey. So you guys should watch it and let me know what you think. I worked on the episode three, six, and nine of the second season. So, do they only allow you to work on every third? Well, I mean that, that's just how the schedule worked. Um, TV production is really high. Oh, you were joking. I'm so excited, Frankie. It's fun. I, I uh, People are responding positively to the season, and I'm very excited. So I would love it to hear from you guys what you guys think, or predictions and stuff. I can't say anything, because I don't know, but I, I have my theories, too. <laughs> love it. Excellent. Awesome. What's up with you, John? Uh, You know, hanging out, working, playing Red Dead Redemption. I'm... I'm... I go back and forth between spells of like only playing Red Dead Redemption, then playing Skyrim on my Switch. Yeah, I mean, I watch uh, both of your logins uh, tend to be playing something when I'm playing something. So. I'm Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not playing a lot right now, but um, um, 
Willis. <laughs> so, and sometimes he just leaves it on literally all day, so it'll look like it's locked in and playing. Oh, the right. locking. That's, what, that's uh -huh. what I do too. Uh huh. That's exactly how I play all the time. It's the puppy playing, not Melissa. It's the puppy playing. With Red Dead, though, I literally have done that because Red Dead, you can just leave it scrolling forever. I don't even know what the hour count is. I've come back from like a weekend and turned on a television and there's, what's his name? <laughs> Sitting on the prairie. Oh, shoot. <laughs> shoot, yeah, exactly. It's terrible, bad for the environment. I should get better at that. Yeah, those things are power sucks. Yeah, they really are. What a wide carbon footprint you make, Melissa. No, I'm it's kidding. terrible. We have to get better about it. Absolutely, 100%. Being silly. Are you in uh, AOC's uh, congressional district, Melissa? I am not. I wish, would that I were. I do want to volunteer that for her would though. Be dope. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I am. I am. Yeah. No. I'm in. I'm in Brooklyn, not the Bronx. Um, yeah. But um, she is really exciting and haters to the left. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Ah, uh, this political um, environment. No, it's terrible. Yeah. I know, we all just got real sad. I know, I'm very heavily is. invested in this political fandom right now, or anti-fandom, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I uh, cannot on? turn, I can't turn it off, but hopefully it won't, we won't be hanging here forever. Fingers crossed. I just want to read the book that will come out in six years when hopefully we've survived it all. Like, you know, I want to like a uh, We'll the get future. the Kellyanne tell-all at some point. Like, Lord oh, knows she's taking- I hate her so much. Like, oh, I hate like stand that notes moment. on everything. She's an evil sorceress. She's just an evil sorceress. Yeah, totally. She's like when a, a Ravenclaw gone the worst. So no, a, she's the no, she's basically. the absolutely worst Slytherin. She's the absolutely she's the she's the epitome of Slytherin. Yeah. She was saying yeah, that's true. complete opposite things about Trump before she was working for him. Yeah. She is really good at what she does because she has no soul. All you need <laughs> to be successful is not have a soul. <laughs> Such she has no soul. I'm sorry. She has none. You can't. Nobody. You can't, can, nobody. No, no. you can't credit her that. She has soured her soul. She hasn't. doesn't have not one. She is wrenching it and tearing it up it and squishing it down. She's abusing her soul. No, she's selling oh, off boy. pieces exactly. for the high. No, is, she's, she's, you cannot be, be a person who says such blatant falsehoods with such ease and have a conscience That's at all. true. It's just like, and just the. The demeanor in which she deflects it with that vapid smile and dismissive mm -hmm. hand gestures as though like it, mm -hmm. it's it's just so absurd to her the notion no beat like no, it's she's just like oh ah. you want to engage in some good shot on friday on somebody who deserves it look up her comic routine on youtube look at what she has a comic routine she had like a political comic routine that was the worst thing i've ever seen in my life and i don't in, like to indulge in people trying things and failing that's not cool trying things and failing is how you get good at things but she is somebody who deserves ridicule. And all these people should have just stayed as stand-up comics, and everything would have been so much I think better. they are stand-up comics. Yeah. They just don't realize it. Oh boy, what? Ugh. Well, well I'm losing time. faith in our government because of it. Good times. I'm going to bed. I'm gonna hopefully wake up in 2021. Oh jeez. <laughs> I'm gonna cry myself to sleep. <laughs> oh, Positive note here, ending podcast yarsh. 287. 287, the slow march to 300 continues. Man, we're having a party the at 300. The slow march to 300 go. continues. We'll get there. Gotta do it during LeakyCon. Confetti cannons. Confetti. If we do it during LeakyCon, confetti cannons. Oh my god, that'd be really funny. Yeah. 
I think we're we're about on track. Every two weeks is about twenty five. We're about twenty five weeks away, so yeah, we're about on track. There's two leaky cons this year, right? I'm talking about Boston. Boston. What time? What years? What, 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 what when is Boston? Boston's in October, and it is um, LeakyCon ten. What what month though? What day? <laughs> My parents are having Why their 40th wedding anniversary that I'm not allowed to miss. What? When is it? Oh, shoot. October 11th through the 13th is Boston. Is, is Boston? Oh, I think yeah. it's 28th. So we should be fine. What special grab bag item do people get at Leaky Boston if they've been to every LeakyCon? That's a good question, John. They'll be expecting something. I wish uh, I could say I've been to every one, but I missed one one you year. You have not. Frankie has not. Me and Jordan are the only people at Mr. Management who. Okay, wait. What, really? What? When is it? When is it? Mm-hmm. It's October 9th to 11th. Oh, phew. Or 11th to 13th. It's, it's the 18th, weekend. the next weekend. Oh, I'm gonna awesome. Have to be... <laughs> oh, boy, Dooley. You're gonna both be. Weekends off, though. Fudge. Flying, flying all around the country. Well, the, going to my parents' thing will be relaxing. That's easy. And that's that's yeah. the second one. Cool. Anyway, sorry about that. I had a, sl- I had a little panic attack. Right, I'm going to bed. <laughs> All right, all all was well, y'all. Keep twirling the dials. The next, the next password, password is. You know, you, you you come in with your next password and you don't have a password. <laughs> I thought you were saying it. I'm trying to. The next password is Podex. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. <clears throat> Good night. <laughs> I was the only one who did it. You guys come. You guys. Fine. Good night. Only I wish you good night. Nobody else wishes anybody oh good night. That's it. I thought I thought Sue wasn't doing the show anymore. Oh. I am going to come in the night and hurt you. Keep that <laughs> in. in. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>